Hello and welcome to this episode of the Gaming Podcast, the official podcast of Gaming Magazine. You can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting GamingMag.com. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G Mag.com. Remember, new episodes of the Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Now, later in the show, I'll be joined by Sean Lebode from Sold Out Games to talk about his career and some awesome new games they've got coming up. But first, in our new episode, Deep Dive Format, uh, I'm joined by Ed Nightingale. Hello, thanks for having me. And welcome to the, welcome to the new podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's not much of a difference. We're just going to talk longer about longer, boring things, basically. But we're just Never not boring. Enough. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, um, this is an exciting episode. We get to talk about the future. We get to glance into crystal balls and stuff. Ooh, very exciting. But to start us off, I want to talk about streamers. And I know it's a topic that's close to your heart, Ed, because it's particularly relating to drag queen streamers. Why do you think so many drag queens are into streaming? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great question. I mean... Streaming in general is just absolutely huge at the moment. Um, there's a stat from Twitch that at any one moment there is on average 1.5 million people watching, which is crazy. Um, and over 4 million different unique creators streaming every month. So it is just this, this huge platform. Um, it's essentially like TV of, of millions of people sat watching people playing games. Um, and there's more to it as well than just, than just gaming. Um, you know, people are... Or streamers become sort of celebrities somewhat um, and create these big communities around playing games, around um, people doing art, people doing performances. Um, there is, uh, you know, there's a huge community out there for it. Um, to an extent, I find it a little bit surprising. I am, as I've joked about before, a bit of a backseat gamer. Um, so, you know, watching other people playing games, I find it a little bit frustrating because I feel like <laughs> I, I, I want to play myself. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, that's not how to do it. Um, so, but it, it's like I say, it's not just about that. It's about this community and, and, and speaking with, with, the, uh, with the streamer and all of their fans. And I think that's part of the reason that it's become so big with, with LGBT streamers, um, because it's about that sense of community. Um, you know, it's inevitable that on such a big platform, you're going to have um, LGBT people, because of course you are. Um, and I think that, you know, visibility on that kind of platform is, is incredibly important. Um, you know, LGBT people don't always get to stand out. And, uh, you know, with with the algorithms of who gets on the front page and who's popular, it's always your sort of cis white straight men, um, mm. you know, on the front page. And I think it's great that there is this growing number of LGBT communities uh, and teams um, specifically for these people. Um, and it means that these streamers can firstly help each other out um, in supporting one another, in promoting one another. Um, I know a lot of them have sort of Discord channels and they can chat and help each other out with technical requirements and all those sorts of things. Um, but it's also for, for the audience. It's for, for people to be able to, to find LGBT streamers through, through teams specifically or the use of the tag. Um, and it means that they can see people like them on screen. And I think that that's, that's really powerful. It, you know, in media in general, we don't see enough LGBT people. Um, and so to have it there on, on streaming as part of gaming um, is great for people. If their interest is gaming, they can they can log on and they can see people like them. Um, and there's just a real increase in diversity on these platforms, which I think is really fantastic. I, mean, I was always fascinated with streaming. So if you'd have asked me 
maybe 18 months ago, like, do you watch streams? Do you like streaming? I would be the first to admit that I was incredibly sort of dismissive of why the hell would I just want to watch someone play a game? Why can't <laughs> I just play the game? My thought exactly. And so over the, but over the past sort of 18 months or so, I, when I've come to sort of get to know things better, it is about that community. It's about that sort of sense of people coming together. And it's an ent- it is an entertainment form because it's not just watching somebody play the game. This is going to sound stupid, but it's actually watching someone play the game. And it, <laughs> they're involved and they're sort of, uh, the way they interact with the game is part of that entertainment. So just watching somebody play a game, just running around doing stuff without really saying anything is boring. But if you're watching someone who's actually playing the game, um, and I know these things sound the same, but it's not in my head. Um, I know what because, you mean. Because they're on screen, because they're reacting to stuff, because they're making light of it or making a joke out of it or screaming along with a horror game or whatever, they suddenly now are an entertainment form. It's like Gogglebox. And I'm sorry to our American viewers, but <laughs> I don't think you've got Gogglebox. And I don't think you'd even know what Gogglebox would be. But basically, it's a show in the UK where we are watching people watching TV. So it's exactly the same principle because what you're actually watching is the enjoyment of seeing people reacting to a TV program as opposed to just watching a TV program. So it's very complicated, but basically they are part of the entertainment process. And it's exactly the same with streamers. So I can really see where the extension of drag streaming comes in because we've been used to watching drag queens for years and years and years and years singing along with other people's songs so it feels like a natural extension to watch drag queens play along with a game in my head and i I just find that absolutely fascinating definitely i mean i guess there's a slight element of voyeurism to it all Mm. Um, (laughs) a little insight into people's homes Um, and with drag especially it's an insight into uh you know a lot of them do their actual transformation on switch as uh, on twitch as well so Mm. You know, you actually get to see them morphing into this character as they do their makeup and then playing games. And like you say, it's just it's another form of entertainment, which is great. And I think what has surprised me is how many drag queens love horror games. Um, And that was just really surprising to me. And I guess maybe it, it ties into that element of entertainment um you I know because so, you wrote a piece for us i think it, I'm, I'm gonna say and you're gonna tell me i'm wrong but i'm gonna say it was last halloween because i think it was it felt like something we possibly commissioned as a halloween piece um Indeed, don't don't you are correct. Don't, don't, don't fact oh cool do fact check me i'm brilliant um <laughs> but the um what was interesting about it as, as, as you put in that was like for me like i'm i'm not a big horror fan to be honest with you and so playing a horror game yeah but the my my immediate thought was like, what the hell are drag queens doing playing horror games? But then I sort of I stopped and thought, no, no, hold on a second, drag queens playing horror games is perfect because it's just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> I mean I think that's why a lot of people watch people play horror games. You know, people are too scared to do it themselves. If you're part of a stream, you're watching someone else. You're 
not participating as much um and you can sort of come together as a community to watch that but you're right you know who doesn't love drag queen screaming um i mean the the one thing i will say is you know one of my my favorite drag streamers is is dear um and her tagline is dear let's play what you fear and she is very into to horror games but she has like the best poker face like she does not jump she does not <laughs> scream which sort of negates that whole thing but um i mean what she said as as part of the article um is that actually what she likes about it partly it's it's about strong women in uh, in mm-hmm. horror games which is great um and definitely very inspirational for drag looks but also it's around sort of overcoming adversity and you know as lgbt people you know life can be scary and we have to sort of overcome discrimination um and playing a horror game allows you to to overcome adversity and overcome horror um and maybe that's something that a lot of lgbt people uh, people can relate to it's it is weird and it's it's weird in in a beautifully brilliant kind of way um that for me as you say that the affinity between lgbt people and horror games um as i say is something you wouldn't naturally put together but you really dig into the sort of psychology behind it and actually yeah um there is something there you mentioned obviously dear um as being one of your favorites now I, i'm going to sort of throw it back over to you again like who else in that space is really cool for me there's one for me i think it was included in your piece uh was evilicious um who's from portugal correct Um, yes and so she's she's really cool um she's actually doing a stream for us by the time this podcast comes out which is today actually we're doing this at the last minute um the she's actually streaming this weekend uh she's streaming one of um she's i think she's doing dead by daylight actually (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah so um evilicious so i think she calls herself evo for short so she is in rainbow arcade which is an lgbt plus team um which has people from across the lgbt spectrum so not just drag queens but sort of anyone and everyone uh who's lgbt is part of this uh, part of this team so it's a really great team um just for its variety of different people um which is really good fun to watch um one of the founders justin moore um is uh, he has a pretty big following but he's uh, he's a big animal crossing uh player and uh he's been hosting drag competitions um in animal crossing so he invites people to his butch bay there you go so he invites people um to participate to his island in animal crossing and they've created their own custom designs and he narrates it all it's it's hilarious so definitely go and watch him Um, i'm I'm just going to stop you for two seconds on that one because you might as well chuck a bit of a shout out in there you go um on uh, october jesus on august the second uh miss butch bay is making a dramatic return to our airwaves um, with a Digi Pride special. Um, so more on that to follow. Uh, but yes, Little Miss Butch Bay Digi Pride special, August 2nd. Yeah, that's going to be great fun. And yep. I think what's great about Animal Crossing specifically is just this creativity that it offers. You know, I think a lot of LGBT people are drawn to that. Um, and a lot of LGBT streamers are drawn to that, that they can show off their creations to their community. So Animal Crossing is, is a really fun thing for that. Absolutely. Um, Another team that is drag specific is the Stream Queens. So this was founded by Deer, who I mentioned before. Um, and I think there's about 
20 or 30 different queens. Um, Evo is also in that. There's also um, Drag Trashley, Elix9, um, and Joystick, and, and loads of others. Um, and they, they're they all really big on horror, actually. Um, they play a variety of different games between them all, but um, I know that they're, they're quite big on doing Dead by Daylight uh, team matches. So if you're into horror and you're into drag, then Stream Queens is absolutely where you want to be. And one last thing before we move on. Um, there's a lot of charitable giving going on in streams at the moment, isn't there? Um, there's been some amazing sort of things going on. I think Rainbow Arcade, at the last count, they've raised over $50,000 for the Trevor Project, which is fantastic. Um, and this in this kind of weird digital coronavirus pride world in which we're living, um, it's great to see so many people coming together to try and raise money for charities that are now more than ever uh, sort of in desperate need of these funds. Definitely. And in Pride Month, especially, there's a lot of teams, uh, LGBT teams who are raising money for LGBT charities. Um, there's also a lot of people raising money towards Black Lives Matter. Um, so there are some really great charitable causes at the moment. Um, and I think it's just another example of the community coming together to support each other. And I think streaming is just a really fantastic way of doing that. So there's two fantastic teams there, uh, Rainbow Arcade and uh, the Stream Queens, um, go and find them on Twitch, go support them. They've both got websites, uh, Twitters, everything else. Um, and there's loads of others as people as well. Um, go and support those people. They're all fantastic. They're doing amazing things. Uh, now, moving on, I want to talk about the future. Um, and it's very much crystal ball time, although some things are starting to now uh, crystallize a little bit because we found out about the Xbox Series X. It feels like quite a while ago they revealed that and the specs of it. And then finally, uh, a matter of a few weeks ago, we now finally know what the PS5 is like. Um, and yes, it's big. <laughs> <laughs> um, the memes have been hilarious. Uh, yes, yes, it has. And I mean, okay, so if the Xbox Series X is is seen as being a boring safe bet, then PlayStation have certainly gone the opposite direction. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many extensions people have to have on their house and knock through the ceiling into the room upstairs to fit that in. <laughs> um, so I guess this I, what I want to talk about is the future in, in a sense of where does the next sort of iteration of these consoles sit for us? Which way do you think you're personally going to go? Um, and, and yeah, so I mean... The interesting thing for me, I'll just kick off, is the fact that the specs... Now, look, I'm not a sort of techie person. I don't, know, I don't know what a teraflopple is. It just makes me giggle. Um, so I, I don't get me started, and please don't at me if I get any of this wrong. But basically, they look about the same on a specs front. Yeah. I mean, so, surely all you need to know is that they'll be supporting Unreal and there'll be loads of triangles. I mean, that's that's the future of graphics is triangles, right? Yeah. Yes, um, and 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 whatever that does, whatever that does, whatever a triangle <laughs> does for you, um, I, my it makes things look I, nice. Yes, I think it rounds edges off because obviously we're we're living in a square world at the moment, and they're going to go to a triangular world. <laughs> That's about it for the tech talk, everyone. Um, and but for me, I think um, oh, it's such an it's such a debate. So my partner and I, we, we're constantly been going backwards and forwards because we live in a slightly lucky world of actually having every console. Um, and for us, it's more of a case of like, which one is more of our dominant console? And I would have said that we are more Xbox in terms of we've just owned one longer. Um, but then also PS5, better game presentation, I felt. 
more interesting selection of games coming up in the near future? Yeah, I mean, you you joke about the techie side of things, and I think ultimately that doesn't matter, apart from mm. to a, you know a few a few techie people who are experts in that area. I think ultimately it comes down to the games. I mean, that's why the Switch is doing so well. You know, graphically it's not as it's not as powerful, but it's got the games that people want mm-hmm. to play. So I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, and I feel like the general consensus is that Xbox. Um, the new one is is a little bit disappointing, and the presentation they had a few weeks ago was predominantly on third party games, which I guess is pretty much all they've got because there aren't really many exclusives. And they, and didn't, they, they didn't understand what the phrase game footage was. Well, quite because quite. I've never seen a presentation that's been more set up and more manufactured and more sort of beautifully polished than in-game yeah. footage. And also very few women. This is what this is the one yes. thing that really stood out to me was between the games that were presented by PlayStation, the games that were presented by Xbox, it felt like the PlayStation games not only were just better, but also uh, were more diverse. There were strong female characters. There was uh, a cat in, an, in a dead human society. <laughs> um, and there was a good sort of range of people involved and, and, and backgrounds and races and colors and, and creeds and people and, and whatever else. And, and I, it just felt really fresh. Whereas the Xbox ones were just like, oh, it's another guy. It's another guy. It's another guy. Yeah, I I was definitely struck by that as well. I feel like Xbox is, is aiming towards a very specific demographic of the gamers. And it's all very mature, dark grey games about men shooting each other um and i think ps5 is or looks to be so much more colorful in every sense of the word colorful you know like you say there were so many more uh, female leads uh, you know the new spider-man is going to be with miles oh, who's Spider-Man. black lead which is going to be fantastic yes. um and then you know can you imagine something like bug snacks on the xbox i mean hey maybe it's coming out and it's you know, multi, I don't know. But it wasn't in the presentation, and it was with PS. And I've still got the song in my head. It's crazy, but it's <laughs> it's it's super colourful and cartoony. And, you know, even something like um, the Volcano High, you know, emo queer yes. dinosaurs, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's Absolutely, not to yeah. love. Yeah, exactly. And um, the fact that they actually, that's another sort of thing that I you reminded me, I forgot about that one. But it's basically that they put that, to, to have, the, to have the, the bravery in this way to put their presentation out that I think opened with Miles Morales, um, included some queer characters uh, with that sort of Volcano High, or, or at least were very quick to confirm that, mm. the, that that game is based on queer characters. Um, had a load of sort of like female-centric, like Horizon, um, that were sort of there as well, proudly out and proud. And I think that just like, it felt so much more adventurous uh, and quirky and you're right some of these games more than likely are coming to xbox as well so there's probably a discussion to be had around who gets the first pick of them but um the fact that xbox went very safe um and i don't think we've even seen the new assassin's creed woman yet no. all i've ever seen of the Ass- of assassin's creed is the bloke and the Viking sort of bloke, and and it's just like that's fine, but you are you have a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Show like, her. C- can we see her now? <laughs> yeah. Um. And and it's just like yeah. I mean, I just felt like I mean, obviously, 
PlayStation have got the hind- have got the ability of hindsight because they're able to they were able to look at uh, Microsoft because Microsoft blinked first and put all their releases out. Yeah, and I think I, I imagine PlayStation sat there and just went right. Here's what we need to do. Not that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the exact just, opposite. <laughs> yeah, and just took it from there, basically. Um, but no, I, was, I, I, I think right now, if you held a gun to my head, I would say PlayStation. Um, unfortunately, inevitably, I feel like I'm going to get both. <laughs> just, but, <laughs> with, but not immediately, because I think there are huge issues, obviously, with first inter- iterations of many, many hardware issues. Um, but no, it's just... I just feel like there's more to be enjoyed from PlayStation. And yeah. I'm I'm sort of sat here talking while I'm sort of looking past um all the reminding myself of that trailer from the Xbox. It's just bland as well. Mm. It was just dark and moody. And that's fine if that's what you I mean I think Scarlet Nexus actually was the only one that really stood out as being anything slightly different. True. But looking at the PlayStation lineup, it was just full of joy and and sort of and of course it okay, so when it opened with a rockstar logo i my heart fell out my cuckoo because i thought <laughs> my, my god they've lied their face off about how developed grand theft auto 6 is and they're announcing it straight away um and then they didn't but what they do what they are doing is a, a touched up version of gta 5 which is cool which is cool yeah it was um, like a tick box let's get that out of the way and now let's move on to some good stuff but the one that really uh, got me sort of screaming and running around the room was ratchet and clank Oh yes, Ratchet. And, the second so that good happened, to be back. I, I, oh, and that's where you started to see the benefit of the gra- of the graphics as well, because you had a shiny clank, um, and just yeah, that was oh yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. I'm, between <laughs> getting emotional again. <laughs> between uh, Ratchet with the female Ratchet was yeah, who yeah. looks great. Um, between that and there was another game called Kenna or Kina, um, where you're playing as like a young girl with these cute little black fuzzy creatures um mm-hmm. between the two of those it's it's like pixar dreamworks levels of animation which just looks incredible um and you know ps have still got those mature games i think returnal i think looks phenomenal which is the new game from housemark who uh, mm-hmm. who made resogun um that looks great um you've got the demon souls remake coming out which i'm very excited about um i never actually finished uh, finished it on PS3, so maybe this time I finally will. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo also looks like a very interesting, kind of mature, surreal kind of game. So it's definitely ticking those mature boxes, but then to throw in, like, you know, cartoons and cats and queer dinosaurs and crazy strawberry aliens, like, yeah. there, there is literally something for everyone. And I mean, I'm biased because I've, I've got every PlayStation console. I've never owned an Xbox. Um, so I will definitely be plumping for a PlayStation. But just from the presentations alone, there's so much more diversity to it. It looks so yeah. much more exciting. Do you plan to extend your lounge or are you just going to sort of maybe strap it to the outside of your building? Um, well, I need to decide if it's going to be vertical or horizontal yet. <laughs> I'm no, glad no, no, that no, it sits no. on its there's, side. <laughs> no, there's no decision on this one because vertical at least looks elegant. On its side just looks like an old cereal box which has melted slightly. But do you have space under a TV for vertical? Because I know I don't. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to buy a new piece of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also slightly annoyed that it's white. It's on the floor or something. Oh, don't. I, 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 I kind of wish it was black. I'd love that. Okay, so there's there's two sides to this one. One, every fucking console is black, so at least being something bold and and sort of a bit different um, isn't a bad thing. But the flip side of that is, you know, in in the space of about six months, it's going to go from white to yellow. 
Exactly. Um, because that's what all that's what all white consoles do because that's just what that's what happens with white things yeah we um, had that with uh with the wii and i, I recently yeah. plugged oh, my damn. um my Ugh. gamecube back in and oh. i've got the one that's black and white and i think i say white i think the front is gray but for me it is literally yellow and it's been under my bed for a long time but it's gone yellow um oh, and lovely. i had a game boy advance as well and i bought the white one of that and a white handheld console is really not good for sweat marks just saying Particularly if you play the game that you play and stress and stress. <laughs> yeah, Dark Souls, sweaty hands. Yeah, that's not good with a white controller. Um, the only other thing you need to consider, of course, with the two platforms is the offerings of their online um, game platforms. So for me, um, side by side, right now, side by side, I think the Xbox Game Pass offers more variety and more playability than PlayStation Now um, because PS Now is has a huge library, but it's all streaming. So you've got to have a damn good internet to play that, whereas uh, Game Pass actually lets you have the game on your console. I think I'm right in saying that. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I mean, we could talk for hours just about streaming in particular, but I think in some ways that probably is the future of gaming and that's probably where we're heading to. But until you know, we have decent internet infrastructure across the globe. I just don't know if it's really a viable option. And looking at these PS5 games and how, you know, intense and detailed they are, having that streamed, I just don't know yeah. how possible that's, that is at the moment. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> on, on the current sort of like, the, the fact that Zoom can't even work properly because everybody's working from home at the moment, uh, I think having, having like, 500 million people around the world uh, streaming uh, the same game or something that's just going to fall over they're going to need to knock exactly. down san francisco and just put one big server in um <laughs> the the other thing that's interesting as well is with microsoft is that the way they're developing i think it's called project scarlet which yes. is their which is their version of the streaming platform but because because they're microsoft the the ecosystem they're building is one where you can play the game on your xbox then walk out the door grab your ipad or your surface and keep playing it as you walk out the door so they're which is very of, similar to stadia as well right i'm not sure about stadia on the portable yeah of course okay. it's google yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um but also i think it, it's they're sort of trying to come a little bit for um the switch kind of model as well the, the yeah. ability to pick it to pick it up and just keep playing as you walk out the door um and it's going to be interesting to see if Sony have got anything to sort of come back at that. Um, yeah, I, I guess with you, you, um, you can do with Sony, you you can do like um, you can do like a mirror play, can't you? You can sort of stream off of your console, but I don't think you can do a direct stream. I don't directly. know about that in particular. Okay. I mean, I guess with with Xbox, it feels like they are creating more of an ecosystem mm. of Xbox that, yes, it's it's your Xbox console, but like you say, you can play it elsewhere on the go. Yeah. And of course, there is also Xbox Games Pass on PC. Yes. And I'm new to PC gaming. I only recently got one um, as an excuse to catch up on a load of other games that I've missed from, from being a console gamer. And, you know, Xbox Games Pass is incredible value. It's one pound for the first month and it gives you access to so many good games, which is incredible. Um, but, you know, now that I've got that on a PC, I don't feel the need to get an Xbox. Um, so I guess maybe Microsoft need to 
I guess maybe they're trying to create this ecosystem across all of their platforms, but then at the same time, what makes them different and unique? And if I own a, a PC and I've got access mm. to, to Xbox Games Pass, then do I need an Xbox? Well, um, this, bring, this brings us quite nicely and neatly onto my, the sort of the other topic I wanted to talk about regarding all of this is PCs and mm. PC gaming. Now, I don't have a PC. I don't do PC gaming. A lot of me sort of thinks, obviously doing the job that I do, I probably should have one because obviously the majority <laughs> that was my thinking of, too. Yes, a lot of indie games and stuff that just come out on PC, I, I do feel like I'm missing out and I do have to sort of shovel them off to my contributors to to write and do reviews about. However, I work from home. I have uh, a Mac, so that doesn't play anything. Um <laughs> and but I'm sat at a computer desk all day. And the last thing I need to do in the evening is keep sitting at a computer desk. Um, and equally, I like my testicles. So if you're playing a, a, on a gaming laptop, I don't need them boiling alive either. So I'm very much of the sort of like the um, world of sort of, it just never really gripped me enough to, to, to get into that. What piqued my interest for about 10 seconds was when Steam had their Steam console. And you could plug it into your TV and it had a controller that um, Bluetooth into it, wired, uh, wirelessly connected to it, whatever. And you could basically play it. But they seem to sh have shot themselves in the foot before that even got out the door, if I, if I remember rightly. Because it ran on Linux. Yes. Um, which basically ruled out the majority of games that people play on Steam. Which, which <laughs> I have to admit... It's a bit like Microsoft so like developing the Xbox um, and then developing and, and thinking, oh, shit, we haven't done the iOS. Uh, <laughs> we, sorry, we, we haven't done the operating system. And, and it's just like, never mind, they can't play any games. So that, that was odd. But for me, I'm sort of thinking, how, how do, how, I'm guessing sort of throwing this open because I know you've just got a PC game. Um, how does PC keep up with this? Like the, 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 the quality, the detail, the performance of these new consoles, they are meant to be better um, than even one of the more powerful games machines, uh, PCs, purely bang for buck sort of thing. I know you can spend like thousands of pounds on a, a gaming computer, but I'm just, you still have to have like 20 different peripherals and 21 different fingers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complicated area for sure. Um, I mean, even looking into buying one, I, I took a lot of time to do a lot of research and try and work out what, what what's worth spending money on because like you say you're buying all the different components and parts and putting it together um i didn't put it together myself that's a little beyond my pay grade i think um but i think the good thing with that is that i guess when we think of consoles we think of you know every five six seven years um a new console will come out and suddenly technology shifts and of course that's not really how it works technology is constantly evolving and the good thing with pc gaming is that as those evolutions happen, you can buy the parts and plug them in, and you can continually upgrade um, your your PC. So while what I've just bought for myself is is fine for now, um, you know I can then go and upgrade in a couple of years' time, like a new graphics card if I want to. Um, so it's something that you can keep iterating on bit by bit, and I think that's the beauty of of PC gaming is that you can follow those evolutions rather than having to wait for. Um, you know, a new console to get that new shift. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited by that. I'm excited to, to see what happens in PC gaming. It's, it's a 
tricky area. There are so many different ways of playing games, um, different controllers you can use, different platforms to, to download them. And, you know, is streaming better on a PC? At this point, I don't quite know. But um, it's, a, it's an exciting area that I'm slowly delving into. Um, the one thing for me is, I think, the idea that you have to sit at a computer desk or a laptop. And But I, I accept with a laptop, it's difficult to upgrade laptops. So yes. my understanding, and again, done a lot of reading, um, is you can get gaming laptops, but they're a little bit more stuck in the mud than the sort of box that you just keep sort of like screwing bits into. Um, and I feel like, I, I, I see a point completely about why should you just keep having to wait for a next console to come along. But I think it, it really is about your relationship with gaming, whether that's you are happy with what you are given. You say, thank you, Mr. Sony. Thank you, Mr. Microsoft. That will do <laughs> me for another five years. Um, but then appreciating that that will always have kind of like a performance cap. Uh, but with computers, you can keep tinkering and, and you can join special forums with special people getting very excited about <laughs> sort of their new little device they've got to plug in. Sorry, any PC gamers out there. I do love you. I just find it hilarious. Um, one thing I have spotted is at uh, this year, I say this year, like I even remember January, but apparently in January, <laughs> um, there was CES yes. uh, Festival in Las Vegas, um, which is like a big tech conference. And there was another arrival of um, an interesting thing, which was uh, Alienware's, uh, what they're calling their concept UFO, which is basically a switch ripoff and i'd be surprised <laughs> if nintendo weren't getting a little bit lawyery because you know they're very litigious um of course anyway so i imagine the second they saw this where it's a screen on a handheld device with two controllers that slide off the side <laughs> they probably thought <laughs> hmm, that's that's vaguely familiar um and I wonder whether, and again, I think this comes back to what you were saying about being stuck in the mud, but I think at least with handheld, you, like with the Switch, you sort of accept its limitations and you're not after, like, pinpoint super graphic accuracy. You want to play these games on the move. Um, and I wonder whether this is an interesting way forward of embracing uh, PC gaming on the go. Because um, there's this one, and I know... There's another couple of um, ones as well. One's called the Smack with a C uh, <laughs> and a H. Smack, Smack. Um, and, and that's a sort of handheld device as well. That's uh, PC gaming, Steam, uh, etc. And I'm just really sort of curious about what you think of that as a, a, an option for PC gaming. Um, I guess it's a shame that they're so ugly as devices, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially compared to the Switch. Um, and, and I guess, you know, a smaller screen means that you don't need quite as much power. So um, you're not necessarily getting the benefits of... Um, sorry. Um, you're not necessarily getting the benefits of the power of the PC or it's not going to show up as much. Um, that said, I do feel like mobile gaming is a huge area. Um, and as you mentioned earlier with, with Project Scarlet and with Stadia and, and streaming, there's a way of playing gaming or playing games everywhere. Um, mm. You know, you don't have to be stuck at a computer desk. Um, you can just stream and, and play whatever you want wherever. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an outlet for for PC gaming to go down that way. Um, it does feel like it's following in the footsteps of the Switch a lot. Um, and I guess 
you know, a great thing with the Switch is that it's it's so full of indie games that aren't the most graphically intense, but they're just fun little experiences. And maybe uh, these kinds of portable PC gaming will will be great for again for those sorts of games. Absolutely, and I, I think that's the angle that I'm very keen on because. For me, I'm sort of like I say that the, the massive computer game, uh, yeah, computer-based Steam games, uh, Epic Store games, that are the huge sort of sprawling MMORPGs or uh, stuff like Eve and that sort of thing. That that personally has very little uh, pull for me. What I am curious about and what I do feel like I'm personally missing out on are the real indie lgbt super queer super representative games that people are developing for pc to put out onto even if it's on itch um the real sort of like the really niche indie stuff that tells amazingly in-depth beautiful authentic queer stories um that's what i feel like i'm missing out on so for me running something having a handheld thing that only puts out in this alienware one it, it only puts out 720p it's not 10 it's not even 1080 so for me it's like that the 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 goal of it being a high graphic high performance machine i don't want that i just want to have the ability to play some really really cute queer games that's the dream sounds perfect to me so that's gonna be interesting to see how all of that comes out as well um that was that was good that was really interesting um, i'm excited to sort of see how these things go and it'll be interesting to see how these things really break out and, and whether ps5 will have the balls to release a black version <laughs> or whether we'll they, people discover how you can reskin it because i imagine that's the alternative with the ps5 is that people can literally just put stickers over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um coming up after the break i'm talking to sean lebode from sold out about their new games but for now it's a goodbye to ed and we'll see you after the break thanks for having me Did you know that Gaming Magazine now has a Discord channel? Come and enjoy more chat, gossip and gameplay with your fellow gamers from around the world. Visit GamingMag.com forward slash Discord to get started. Welcome back. I'm joined by my special guest this week, Sean Labode from Sold Out Games. Welcome, Sean. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. How's it all going? Uh, it's going very well. Obviously, um, at the time of recording, it's probably one of the, the hottest parts of June, so it's quite scary. Um, yes, it's, it's the rare British summer day, isn't it? Yeah, it it makes the it makes the aircon I bought just that bit better, but maybe just for that one day of the year. So, yes. was been good. How's it going for you? Uh, not too bad. Um, I don't have aircon. Um, for for American listeners out there that are shocked at the fact that nobody has aircon, welcome to Britain. Yeah. Uh, we don't have aircon um, because to be honest with you, for three hundred sixty three days of the year, we don't need it. Uh, but the two days a year that we do need it. Um, it's a very uncomfortable couple of days, um, but we're here now. So uh, let's have a chat. So yes. you work for Sold Out Games as a community manager. Tell me what that means. Cool. So um, the, the term community manager across any kind of company is just someone who sits in between the uh, the gamers or the audience and the developers or, you know, the publishers at some point as well. Um, so at Sold Out, um, I now basically man up all of the uh, websites as well as the social media branches. So, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, and then make sure that there's 
if there's any kind of feedback or suggestions or anything that needs to go back to the developers in regards to you know you know testing games or making sure that bugs or glitches or whatever that's kind of the traditional thing what a community manager would do and that's kind of you know a small branch of what i do i also do the video production as well so um trailers and kind of corporate videos and you know making stuff that goes onto our uh, facebook or twitter um i do i do all that so that's the that's the many hats i wear which is really cool cool um in the sort of the the modern world where everything um is about embracing sort of diversity and the intersectionality and stuff how are you making uh community management more diverse i think it's i mean i'm really honored to have this role i was doing a product manager role at the same company for five years prior um so it means that you know my bosses and managers kind of love the fact that i represent and you know i am the the company embodies like i'll speak on behalf of it um but also because i am you know gay as well um and you know a person of color i feel that that any messaging that we have to you know talk about or anything that comes towards us um it's great that it kind of comes through myself because you know being a minority and you know going through a lot of things i can kind of speak on a few more uh, behalfs of things that i've gone through as well as what i represent um and also as a gamer as well um it's it it, it helps it helps i believe it helps the company you know a lot more that when it comes to stuff like pride at, that we're going through right now um as a community manager i can actually say hey so i want to represent this on a bigger scale um compared to previous years when we've done a you know traditional kind of rainbow variant of our logo i've now said you know what this is now my role um and i would like to represent something a bit more close to home which is you know the different types of lgbtq out there um so if you get a chance to see our logo that we have you know we have you know every a lot more diversity in our characters that you see around the logo and you know we make sure we represent um you know trans rights as well as you know showing as much color and fun that everything should be about as well as you know the education of you know who you might find within a diverse cast of um of pride yeah i think the diversity thing there's really important because you said like your logo changes now obviously every every company under the sun pretty much changes their logo for june yeah. and then on july the first it snaps back to exactly as it was and that's that done for the next year um and there are various games companies out there that do sort of like just put a logo behind, sorry, a rainbow behind the logo or fill the logo in with a rainbow color. What you guys have done and people really go and check out the sold out games, it's social media or visit gamemag.com uh, because we've got an advert running on there with uh, the amazing logo on it. Uh, but what you guys have done, which is not just apply uh the rainbow you've actually added some characters added a cast around it and and that very much has captured uh as you say the diversity and the spirit of diversity around gaming um by making sure there are various uh representations of backgrounds and sexualities and um other sort of defining characteristics yeah i i know personally if i was a gamer or just someone who just wants to know a bit more about what a company can go the extra mile to show yeah, rather than just a variant i would know that looking at something like ours i will see you know there is a you know a non-binary character or someone that's you know that's gay or that's queer or just you know of color and i we want to kind of reach out to a, a lot more people so um yeah the, the lovely um tj um who you will see in our um on our twitter page he made us we just gave him some ideas he came back and he's like you know what 
maybe change you know the color of the hair as well you know we want to make sure everything is we hopefully we've represented as best as we can but i just felt like you know going the extra mile with this new role i feel like is like a good it's a good push and obviously you know i spoke to you quite a bit robin about it and you know it's good to hear that um yeah we're, co- we're hopefully covered you know a, a, a wider range than just a variant not calling out any other companies that they should do it but i just felt like you know what i want to just try a bit harder um yeah put some money we got some money behind it let's see what we can do and hopefully people will notice awesome um you mentioned obviously uh being sort of gay and a person of color how in general have you found that in the games industry so if i take away the being a gay in mm-hmm. um in the industry um just looking around like my mutual friends and other people i know um i can scarily count on maybe one hand friends i know who are mm. of color in the games industry um and the things are changing it might just be my perspective or being in london and being part of the uk games industry um and it's obviously much wider outside of there but um i always felt like i started off doing journalism in the games industry and i was like oh this is cool i might be the only person of color here at this event which is fine but it just made me feel like okay cool i potentially could have more eyes on me or i could have you know a bigger platform to say a few more things about representation in games for instance so if there is any you know people of color in a video game or something like that i can be like cool this is my this is my uh this is what i feel is this going is on. my moment, this is my moment. <laughs> i haven't heard that song in ages. um and and that's that's great but also add in you know another label that you know i am gay as well as a person of color it kind of restricts that a bit more so um I am one of um, two people of color in my company, um, but I am the only person who's also gay. So I've kind of been, um, I represent, uh, rather than say I feel like I'm more isolated, I'll say I, I represent a lot more. Um, yeah. So, you know, you could do the whole, I think the term that people use is look to do the minority report just to see if things are <laughs> cool or um, okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's fine. I mean, um, I don't feel like I'm being looked at for every particular kind of confirmation, which I would imagine could go down well or badly in a different company or per se. But I'm like, you know what? As long as I'm getting the same respect and nothing really changes or um, I'm not only invited to things because of these reasons, yeah. but I'm just yeah. treated like everyone else, then that's that's the, the best part of this all. Like I, I feel like I'm there but I also represent a bit more as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's more of an honor, if anything. And I, I, I love the video games industry in general. So um, I'm, I'm glad to be, for me, what I see in a smaller group, but also, you know, I can, you know, be involved in a lot more things because my voice can be uh, yeah. more important for certain categories. Awesome. Um, we are here today to talk about four awesome games that you have coming up. So let's start with Radical Rabbit Stew. Yes. Uh, that sounds like a crazy name already. Um, <laughs> what's it all about? So Radical Rabbit Stew, uh, the best way we can describe it um, is you play a intergalactic space chef, which uh, the story is um, in space in the future, in this alternative universe. Um, there is a group of chefs who are the best in the, in the galaxy. Um, and the evil rabbit queen, who has her own kind of faction of rabbits, um, kind of like, like like the fact that you know all of the best food isn't for 
her people. I'm not sure why they just don't branch out from, you know, just carrots. There is a lot more to unfold here, but um, the, the story is she doesn't like it. So all of the, uh, the spaceships get taken away. Um, and that's when you discover that you are one of the, you know, you're one of the lower kind of janitor roles and you need to rescue um, your compadres. So the journey of the game is um, you go through different kind of worlds, different puzzles, same screen sometimes, sometimes the screen rolls where you are playing this chef who is basically knocking these uh, these evil rabbits into cooking pots in space. <laughs> and uh, basically, the game is basically you have um, you have a puzzle and you learn how to knock a rabbit into a pot or you might need to knock them through a wall and you just basically don't want to you know use all your lives in a certain turn uh the best best thing i prefer to kind of shout about with this game is the fact that it is kind of old school retro arcade looking from the kind of chip tune music to kind of like mega drive kind of feel um and you're hearing like these kind of 80s kind of um disco tracks just playing um it's really it's 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 quite the it's quite the explosion of color um once you get yourself to play in it and it's it's fun and it's more of the we're aiming it to more kind of like kind of family um audiences out there because you know puzzles working things out together as a family yeah. um is what goes on really well um and also it's kind of friendly for kids as well so uh yeah radical rabbits uh, that's coming out uh, next month in july the 16th very good. All formats. Um, you mentioned obviously chefs and cooking and everything else. Now yes. you've actually released, as part of your community management, uh, you've actually released a cookbook, yes. which has been inspired by the game. Um, that's a bit crazy. Yes, it's um, you know when you're doing indie game marketing, um, you can't just kind of use the same kind of brush to paint what you would do for a big game across small games because obviously things need to stand out so um, I was working with the product manager uh, on this and we came up with the idea that you know if we had a cookbook because the game is about making you know mm -hmm. meals per se um, that would be pretty cool and you know we want to kind of grow our community as well so one of the major big things that I've got to do is basically advertise if you have any really cool intergalactic recipes get in touch use this hashtag reply to our post um, and let us know um, and we had like some really great feedback we've had a lot of interest in different dishes but um it was a good solid month of me going to uh to order these ingredients and because i have like a pop-up uh, photo studio i was like i have just nominated myself to making all of these dishes and snapping them this could go any one way and that's going to be a lot of great food that i'll get to experience over the month and it's, it's fantastic um if you get a chance to look at it, it's on the actual radical rabbit stew game website um mm -hmm. we have the cookbook where it was we would always make sure it's available for everyone so it wasn't that if you had pre-ordered or if you had signed up to something you get to see it we want to make sure it was always going to be free uh, we wanted it to be for the community because it was made by the community um, so it's digital as well and uh, we have 18 uh, great recipes there from um, kind of drinks to starters to mains um, including uh, it, one from you know your other half as well is uh, a a certain a certain Korean slash chili dish yes which is great and amazing to try but um it was good it was just uh, it was just a great experience to try and do a different uh, alternative way of marketing. We wanted to make sure that a game that's surrounded by chefs could also have a book that has been made by fans. So um, yeah, it went down pretty well. It's very colorful and um, it tasted all good. <laughs> I was going to say, um, 
obviously the the stock answer is they're all good but do you have any <laughs> sort of like couple of favorites that stand out as being like that was like a really good one so you don't have to play the chili one obviously that's, that's yeah yeah um there was a lot of there was a lot of dishes that kind of tried my my patience because i'm i had to make some stuff <laughs> that i would have never even thought about um there's like uh, the infamous um swedish cabbage rolls just slow cooking anything just makes things like break apart and it's like oh i need this to look good for presenting it looks fine but um i would say my favorite would be the egg rolls because nice. i learned that egg rolls used to be a, a dish that contained egg in it but it's now just the terminology so i was like oh i'm making this thing i haven't got egg roll egg in this recipe what is it and then i end up like making um making them fold and kind of presenting deep frying and it tasted fantastic i'd say that's my favorite because it looked more complicated than it should have and it tasted even better um and that was one that was donated by us by a community as well so yeah it was, cool. it was fun yeah and I'm I'm a big fan of egg rolls anyway. So really? that, that would be really good. So nice. yeah, I might try that. I might try that. <laughs> um let's move on. So yes. uh Gestalt, Steam and Cinder. Yes. So... We did a preview on that uh yes. last week, I believe, and, and Amy is already in love with it. Nice. Um so that should be really cool. Uh tell us about that. So Gestalt, Steam and Cinder is uh, one way to describe it. Um, we were at PAX East with it um, in late Feb and it was the game that kind of drew some crowds over and they're like, I recognize that style. That's a that's a kind of, it looks like Castlevania, but it looks, you know, more colorful. It, you know, the, 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 the movesets, the enemy types, it looks really cool. Um, best way to describe the game is it is a action adventure rpg um you play the character of alifia she is um she is a very strong strong female lead that we actually have um she is basically going for a journey where um as every rpg um you're basically going to be unlocking uh, better movesets better swords better guns um and there is a there is a there is best way to describe it there is a lot to unfold, which we can't talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very steampunky, and if you are a fan of kind of steampunk genres and stuff, you will recognize that there will be, you know, amalgamations between kind of like robots and maybe some mutants, and as well as seeing like really great vistas and you know awesome parallax levels where you'll go from kind of like towns to underground caves to kind of seeing like kind of alternative kind of futuristic kind of designs um and more importantly it's it's a lot of fun it's it's one of those games where when you're playing through it you can kind of you know you can make it a skill-based game by unlocking better moves and using them in a certain um kind of workflow per se so i i'm I'm not the most skillful player, so I'll be like, okay, I'm going to use the gun from a distance and kind of weaken the enemy and kind of like slide in the finish. Whereas, um, you know, some other members of staff and the community out there will be better at kind of chaining together things and, you know, handle stress a lot more better than I can. Um, and it's one of those games where if you want to kind of make it more tactical and you want it to make it more skill-based, um, it has that availability if you want to kind of make it kind of like that almost Souls-like kind of difficulty of how you want to play it. But... um. Yeah, it's 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 a great game, and it's kind of like a really one of the kind of the popular ones that we have from just the outset of the aesthetic. When people see it, they'll be like, mm. "I get it, I understand mm. it." So um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. You mentioned it had a strong female lead, yes. um, which is obviously something that's still rare in games. Was that a conscious decision by the developers? 
yeah, they. Uh, it was the game was basically made from the ground up with Alethea being, you know, one of the main characters that you mm-hmm. are going to play, um, and seeing kind of how she's developed with um, over the years, um, she's kind of always kind of kept that kind of the long redhead uh, kind of you know coat with a uh, uh, kind of western um, yeah. hat kind of a uh, look um, and she kind of is for me like the abandonment of like flames and fire like mm-hmm. from her so from her sword slashes that can kind of ignite to like how long her red hair kind of flows and it's 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 when I think about female leads in, in games and um, how strong they are I always kind of like to dial back and think did the developer choose it over male or female at the time or was it always made from the ground up to be the a female lead and all the stories and the writing um was to come across like that and yeah no i can happily say that she was um there from the very beginning and just seeing how she interacts with other characters and how other characters interact with her um she's she's definitely no pushover and uh as you might see in like on the latest trailers she can drink other people under the table which is fantastic <laughs> so um yeah, it's good. It's yeah, more female leads in games, please. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier with um, Radical Rabbit Stew that the, that game and also this game um, feature kind of that cute arcade-inspired graphics, like sixteen thirty-two bit. Yep. Um, why do you think we're seeing a renaissance of that style? I think it's just a mixture between maybe what developers have access to, or if that's the preference of what style they want to do. Um, honestly, uh, it's it's fantastic to see less retro stuff coming back, yeah. retro-looking games coming back, because um, for me, nostalgia is a big, big thing. Like, if I see something I can relate to, I would always kind of lean towards it versus something that's kind of a bit more new and scary. Um, but also, you know, um, indie developers, you know, if they can get their hands on, you know, making stuff that looks this good but also mm-hmm. harken back to you know games that we grew up with playing um and hit the nail on the head and also kind of give it a good lick of paint and you know a great soundtrack on top of it i, I believe it's like it's win-win so in answer to your question i think it's it's a it's a style thing but also you know it might be easier to be accessible to but also you know they're hitting it at the park with how they upgraded yeah. it and so, i think it's yeah. like yeah the, the the retro feel is there but also if they're are bringing it into the modern age with that sort of like the slightly shinier graphics, easier controls, because certainly the old arcade controls were an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. um, but a- adding sort of like different layers into it without spoiling the aesthetic, I think is really, really cool. Yeah, so sure. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, next up is No Straight Roads, um, which is an absolute music uh, classic, I think. Um, so tell me about that. Okay, so No Straight Roads... As you hit the nail on the head, um, very music-based. Um, it is a it is a rhythm-infused music game. So um, to clear it up, it isn't a rhythm game. It isn't going to be your guitar hero. It isn't going to be a game where you need to have rhythm to be able to play. It is a it is an open city which has um, a wonderful cast of bosses as well as characters who represent different styles of music. Um, so a quick overview of the story is you are Bunk Bed Junction. Um, so Mayday and Zook is your two protagonists that you control. Um, and the game starts with you auditioning to have your band be part of the No Straight Roads NSR group, which is kind of like an, a kind of an ex 
X Factor audition like uh, thing where you have the bosses all there in front of you that you're auditioning for. Um, and you find out that, you know, rock music isn't what cuts it anymore. In fact, it seems like there's a there's a big vendetta against having rock music as part of the the group that has music that produces power for the city. Um, and and the journey of the game, as you might see within, in some of the trailers, is, you know, you aren't involved anymore and you want to know why. And the journey is you kind of building up your reputation, building up some fans, finding out why there was a power cut in the city because the power is supposed to be coming from the music. And, you know, rock music is great for power, which, which you learn. Um, but the best part of it is the music, personally. I love hearing every individual boss fight that you have. So you're going to have a mix between different music genres. So you're going to have like kind of class, neoclassical to, you know, dance, you know, EDM. Um, and the best part is once you're fighting with these bosses who are a different genre, you will hear how the rock kind of infuses um, with the other style of bosses music to the point where you will take over. Um, and it's it's a beautiful, colorful game. Um, and uh, the Demolition devs there um, at Metronomic, they they have you know this is their first game as a solo studio after they've come off the back from doing like working on final fantasy 15 and you know the music behind like street fighter 5 and stuff like they this is their passion project this is what they mm. really wanted to put together um and you know music is music games out there it there is not a lot of them that does it well um and i'll happily say that this game is going to have your your feet tapping along with it yeah it's interesting because Ed, who was on the podcast earlier, I, I know he's itching to play it and he's doing our preview uh, write-up of it, um, which will be out somewhere soon. Um, end, end of July, I think. Um, the He's itching to play it because he adores this new wave of music-inspired games that yeah. aren't rhythm games, that aren't just games with good music. Yep. but actual games that have a real sort of grounding in music, like Sayonara Wild Hearts being another good example. Yeah. Where's this come from? I think it... The, the days of having kind of old-style great music games were, were on the Dreamcast for me personally. Mm. Like Jet Set Radio and Jet Grind Radio and Jet Set Radio Future and other games that kind of started that got kind of left behind as well um and it was like when the when the games industry was like experimenting with like loads of cool new ideas and the fact that you you know you mentioned like you know sayonara wild hearts and stuff kind of coming back and stuff i, I think i don't know where why it stopped or why it wasn't a big big deal for a bit but i'm kind of glad it's back i don't i don't know what's triggered it maybe the fact that we've had maybe every genre of game out there now and mm. we're looking back at kind of what really worked well and what are the audience kind of calling out for and you know some of these kind of greats back you know like i said on the dreamcast era and stuff um you know we need to we need to bring some stuff back um and i'm glad that you know it's not a it's not a saturated market of having games like this because it means that you know there's still room for it they're not competing against each other um and there's different styles of kind of music in games like the ones that we're talking about just yeah. then like it's not just you know, like, it's not like Rock Band and all of these other games anymore. It's more, you know, music can be a driving force that kind of helps with a narrative or helps kind of with the journey of it. So another big uh, favourite um, I used to have, if I can remember, the game, what was that music game that you uh, you kind of like play that, that Beatle and it's going along 
um, the journey, um, and you kind of like it's. Oh, what? I need to remember the name of it. Thumper, Thumper, Thumper was when I felt things were coming back. Okay. Thumper was like a game that came out on a PSVR um, and as well as other VR f- formats as well as non-VR, and it was just a game where you just like listening to music, but the music was there for you to um, use if you have rhythm. But if you mm. don't, it's not the be end and all. Um, end all. Uh, like in you know Nature Rose, there are rhythm bits that if you understand you know rhythm and you've got some rhythm, you understand like the music patterns and the enemy attacks. But if you don't have that, um, you're not kind of feeling isolated. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that kind of maybe put off developers for a bit, where you know it would have to be either a music game or just something that had great music, but not the two. I think Guitar Hero for me is probably the one to blame because <laughs> I, th- I think it sapped the rhythm game concept. Like, I think it it went through that amazing sort of period of time yeah. in, like, the early 2000s where every man and their dog, like, I had... I mean, I don't even play the guitar. I hate sort of guitar stuff. Yeah, I had two bloody um, Guitar Hero guitars, and there's me sort of, like, strumming away on my sofa. That doesn't sound like it needed to sound. But <laughs> um, sort of playing the guitars along to sort of tunes that I absolutely hated. Yeah, there's me playing it. So it's like... The entire world had fallen in love with this whole sort of rhythm stuff. Um, yeah. You'd had all your sort of dance dance revolution and things happening in uh, arcades. And I think it was like, it probably people felt like it was time to retire it. But I think now we've, they've moved the, the idea of storytelling through music forward. So it yeah. isn't just about tapping along to the beat. There is actually a point to it. Um, like I'm, I'm really excited. I, it's gone quiet recently, but there was talk of a game um, by David Gader and uh, whoever else called Chorus, which is literally sold as being the the game's musical, an actual oh, wow. musical, yes, um, yes. A full musical uh, in a video game. Um, and my little gay heart was like loving that one. <laughs> um, so it'd just be interesting. That, like I think we're turning a corner now into a sort of space where like you can tell stories with yeah. music. Um, Anywho, so there's that. Uh, look forward to that. As I say, uh, previews and playthroughs and whatever else coming soon. Uh, and last up, it's Kiwi. Kiwi? Kiwi. 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 Yes, Kiwi. Yes. Um, yeah, so, you know. I was going to say, talk. <laughs> <laughs> Over was, to you. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to segue a good point from like the music. I was going to say, um, you know, the lack of music games that we've had, you know, we also could do with a lot more, you know, cooperative kind of same sofa local um, games out there. You know, we had a, a big, big insurgence with like uh, Overcooked and Overcooked 2 and like Moving Out. And, you know, those those genres of games really work like they're party games, you know, they bring people together. Um, and Kiwi is, you know, the embodiment of that. It's um, a game where you play um, two Kiwis, actual Kiwis, who work in a postal service system. Um, I think the term that we're using is like mailroom mayhem, where the two characters, Jeff and Deborah, they have lovely names, um, they will be interacting with various things within the environment to help send messages. So um, if you had a chance to play uh, the demo over the Steam uh, Summer Festival, um, you would have noticed, or you can see it on videos as well in the trailer, that um, some scenarios will be, um, you have like this really big uh typewriter like interface within this work mailroom 
um, and there will be like a message that comes up because you know someone might have been put in danger or there might be a forest fire or whatever needs be um, and you would have to send a message you know via the old school kind of kind of telegram um, postal service so each character in this scenario would see the, the word that needs to be spelt um, and you have to go over to the letter um, press it with um, with your butt and another character will go and press it uh, more letters and you're basically spelling out words um, using a shift key to do capitalization spaces press enter together and time in it and stuff like that um, it's that kind of game where you need to have a lot of communication it's going to be um, it will require a lot more communication because um you have different various parts within the, in in the space and you kind of mm-hmm. need to kind of keep speaking um another great game that we had um at uh, pax east where we had this people come over and be like this looks cool i kind of get what i'm seeing here but i want to have a play and see it for myself um and it ended up being one of those games that you know people laughed out loud started shouting and be like yeah this is great this is this is this is awesome and that was just one of the only scenarios that we were showing at the time there are yeah um other parts where you have to um, send whole words and then kind of put them on a telegram, put it in the back of an emu, feed it, and then send it on its way, and then another word will come on. It's gonna be, it's gonna be quite crazy. Um, and if you like, you know, you love your kind of co-op experiences like mm. that, um, it's definitely gonna be up your street. I was gonna say because it's interesting that you mentioned the games that you mentioned because obviously. Um... You said Overcooked, uh, Moving yeah. Out is a good one that's come out recently. Yeah. Um, and there's a few other sort of couchy co-op stuff. There's one of the sort of bees in my bonnet have been the lack of couch co-op of late. And yeah. I think one of the biggest trends that I is like when you see games come out and you see the review or you see the promotional material, it sort of says, oh, it's a cooperative game. And I'm like, wait for it. And it's like, <laughs> yes, it's you can connect up to four people on a local network or on the or via the internet or something. And I'm like, can we just have two people sat on a sofa? Because what yeah. happened to the day when people come around to each other's houses and play some games? Yeah, I can't have you round to my house and then send you upstairs to go and play on the game in the, to go and play on my console <laughs> in my bedroom because I need to sit in the lounge and play the same game with you. I want to sit on the sofa side by side and play games. And yeah. I think I'm glad that we're starting to see these party games come back and yep. the co-op games come back um, because I, I think we went through a period like certainly a, a last couple of years of literally nearly every game coming out being single player, single player, single player, online, single player. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, do people not meet up anymore? Yeah. Well, I mean, do the people who play co-op games, are they only just aimed at families? Like a lot of these games, I think, that are same sofa um, experiences are all kind of party, but aimed at families. Um mm-hmm. Like, you know, the days where we used to have, you know, Power Stone or um, like, you know, like Tekken and stuff that you had to play next to each other. Um, Even like this whole split screen kind of first person shooter era of, you know, start with GoldenEye and, you know, had Mm -hmm. Halo up to a point. Um, I I really love those those days and those games. Um, And sidebar, that's actually though I was really pissed off with Borderlands 3 um, was because when it launched, Borderlands is a is a couch co-op shooter. And the one thing that let it down on launch, it's been patched a little bit, but you really have to fiddle with the settings and turn a lot of the sort of uh, display settings down to even get it to work. But it really, really struggled with uh, couch co-op. They only had horizontal split screen. They didn't have vertical split screen. And in a game that has like a a big degree of axes, um, you're trying to look through a letterbox, basically. Um, And yeah, that's... So that was a little, little, a little gripe on that one as well. But there you go. But no, so Kiwi sounds really cool. I'm glad we've got a co-op puzzler. 
uh, and I'm glad it's couch multiplayer and it's a really good thing and a fun thing to look out for. Yeah, and just a little side note, it's also launching with online as well. So it can cater to the people who can't also get you know, together on best the same couch. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Um, that's awesome. So check out all those four games. Uh, visit soldout.uk.com. Uh, as all the information, some fresh trailers. Uh, we're going to have everything coming out about the games at the right time over the summer on gaming. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, and yeah, that should be really, really fun. Uh, it's a great selection of games and uh, really happy that you were able to sort of bring them along and, and talk about it. Sure. So we are going to finish off our interview with some quick fire questions. Yep. <clears throat> uh, I've got five to choose from. Uh, probably do all five. Um, and it is literally quick fire. Uh, we tried this with Mark last week um, as our first quick fire, <laughs> and he took two minutes to answer the first question. So we're going to try quick fire. Okay. Uh, favorite game when you were a kid? Deus Ex. Nice. Uh, Mario or Sonic? Uh, neither. Oh. I well, don't play. Not... <laughs> I don't really. Okay, so we've got to question two before you break quick. Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't really play a lot of platformers. Um, if I had to choose, I'd probably say Mario because I play Mario Maker. I don't play Mario games. I like the tool. Yeah, yeah. Mario. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nerdy. Um, <laughs> after a stressful day, what's the game that you reach for? Overwatch. <laughs> Just go and shoot people <laughs> square in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the team element. Die no. manager. Um, <laughs> Uh, I can say that you can't. Um, apart from the four <laughs> that we just talked about, um, what game are you most looking forward to coming out in the next twelve months? Oh, Cyberpunk, easy. Mm, interesting. Um, and yes. the la- we'll come back and talk about that in just one second. Uh, the last question that I've been asking everyone at the moment is PS5 or Xbox Series X. See, I want to say both because I want to see what both can do. But because I have my friends and player base on a PlayStation, I will be getting the PlayStation first. Will you be needing to extend your property to fit the PlayStation 5 in? Or are you going to uh, bodge a hole in the ceiling to fit it through the, into the bedroom upstairs? I haven't thought about a renovation yet. <laughs> <laughs> I keep reading the measurements. Like, I don't have space. I, somebody did an amazing thing, which was they took the... the um, they took the size of the CD drive, the CD slot, um, because that is a standard measurement and therefore yeah. was able to extrapolate the measurements of um, other boxes. Um, yeah. And they sort of stacked it up side by side. And genuinely, the PS5 is like the Shard or the Empire State Building. It's ridiculous <laughs> in, in, the, in the measurement scale sort of thing. I think, though, that most of that's going to be just airflow. It has to be. It's, if it's, it's got to be. It has yeah. to be. It has like to be. You, you can't make a thing that big deliberately. Yeah. And it's going to be running some stupidly crazy power that it needs to not overheat at all. And yes. it, it literally has to be. I can't think of what else is going to be in there. All those terrible. Well, who knows? Because, I mean, it's, it, it, equally, you've got the Xbox uh, Series X, which is a tiny little cube um, or a rectangle if you're getting the one with the disk drive. Um, yeah. But that's hollow. Apparently, that's hollow all the way through, and it's just one massive fan, um, which is interesting. Yeah, apparently the, the the airflow goes in the bottom and out the top, or in the top and out the bottom. Wow. Um, okay. And so. it has like a whole sort of vector in the middle. Um, that's what I've seen from the diagrams, anyway. But yeah, I, I could be lying. Possibly lying. <laughs> Cyberpunk, really quickly. Um, yeah. History in the making. 
if it can achieve everything that it's set out to be, which I don't know how it's going to do it. Mm. It seems like it's going to do everything so well, plus more. Um, I think I've, CD Projekt Red doesn't really disappoint. Um, funnily enough, I've not actually played a Witcher game properly. Like I have the third one, stopped when they introduced Gwent. Loved Gwent, stopped playing anymore. <laughs> and um, but this is this is more up my street. Um, I'm a bigger fan of the, the cyberpunk tabletop RPG um, itself, and if it's going to be as deep as that, mm-hmm. um, then we've got something crazy on our hands. And if it does really well, you know, I want more people to play D&D stuff. And if this is based on D&D, then, you know, maybe there'll be more people to play D&D with. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be fantastic. I love Deus Ex, as I mentioned in your quick fire round, as yep. one of my favorite games of all time back in 1999. Um, and this feels like it's going to be, you know, a deeper kind of version of what I remember Deus Ex to be. Because Deus Ex, I, have, I wear rose-tinted glasses for. Um, I'm sure if I were to go back now, I'd be like, Ugh, what, what do I love about this so much? But it, I remember the deepness and the options and the fact that you can kill almost every NPC, meaning that no one can give you any quests anymore. <laughs> and just like, that feels like what Cyberpunk is going to do. It's going to have all of those options. Once again, you're going to have factions and teams and people that you can interact with or kill or do whatever you kind of feel that you want to do. It's going to be, it's going to be the dream. Um, and they're promised. They're, they're really over-promised in a lot of stuff. Um, but I feel like if there's any company that's ever going to do it, it's going to be CD Projekt Red because they're not churning something out every year. You know, this is their passion project. This is the game that mm. they really want to do. It's based on something else. So they have source material and they have things to base on. They have Keanu Reeves, Robin. It's it's got <laughs> it's got everything that needs to be done. That's going to be great. And in recent news, we saw that it's you know it's been delayed just to have some more work done. And I'm one of those guys that you know agrees with um, Miyamoto. You know, if you release a bad game. Um, and you could have put more time into it, then everyone's going to remember it always as a bad game. So, you know, delay your games, make it perfect, and do what, I guess, what Konami used to do really well, to delay their games for so long, and they ended up, you know, having greats on their hands. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm expecting this to be better than perfect, and that's kind of setting it up. <laughs> Hopefully they deliver. Well, it'll be fun to see how this turns out. <laughs> <laughs> well quote a great yes uh sean thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me it was fun uh that's the end of our episode uh a big thank you to my guests sean and ed and an even bigger thank you to you all for listening we are back in two weeks with our next episode but in the meantime keep up with all the lgbtq video gaming stories on gaming magazine and be sure to follow us on facebook and twitter so you don't miss any of these amazing stories we are at gaming mag take care see you soon and goodbye Thank you.